listening to the Air Quality Insider. Here we'll keep you informed on the latest changes in the world of air quality regulations and technology. The Air Quality Insider is produced by All4 LLC. All4 is a nationally recognized environmental consulting company that shapes environmental responsibility and creates distinction for our clients, our employees, and our partners. This episode is titled The Ever-Evolving Science of Air Quality Modeling, written by Dan Dix, published on June 3rd, 2019. By design, the framework that governs air quality modeling, 40 CFR Part 51, Appendix W, Guideline on Air Quality Modeling, is set up to incorporate the current state of the science. This was evident from the beginning with the 1977 Clean Air Act that legislated a requirement to conduct a conference on air quality modeling, quote, no later than six months after August 7, 1977, and at least every three years thereafter. The purpose of the Triennial Conference on Air Quality Models, as it has come to be known, is to provide an opportunity for state and local air pollution agencies, scientific bodies, and the regulated community to participate and contribute to the current state of the science as it relates to air quality modeling. All Force Dan Dix has had the opportunity to participate and attend the 8th, 9th, 10th, and 11th U.S. EPA-hosted conference on air quality models. A parallel technical program for air quality modelers has been organized by the Air and Waste Management Association, or AWMA. AWMA has hosted several air quality modeling-specific conferences, and in March 2019, All Force Dan Dix attended one such conference titled The Guideline on Air Quality Models, Planning Ahead. U.S. EPA also attended the March 2019 AWMA conference and tentatively scheduled the 12th U.S. EPA Conference on Air Quality Models for October 1st through the 3rd, 2019 in Research Triangle Park, North Carolina. The AWMA conference was a great venue to hear about the current state of the science and what other consultants and scientific bodies are currently working on. It was also a great venue to hear from US EPA, Office of Air Quality Planning and Standards, Air Quality Modeling Group, about their priorities and future plans. The rest of this episode summarizes some of the key updates from the AWMA conference and other recent actions with a focus on how it may affect your next project that involves air quality modeling. Revised Policy on Ambient Air U.S. EPA provided background about items addressed in the November 2018 draft. Revised Policy on Exclusion from Ambient Air Many in the regulated community did not think this policy went far enough in redefining ambient air, that is, the area where the general public can be exposed to air pollutants, because it did not address the duration component associated with ambient air for individual pollutants. Specifically, 
Some national ambient air quality standards have only long-term averaging periods, that is, 24-hour or annual. And the period of exposure should have been addressed for locations where it would be highly improbable for the public to reside for long-term durations. U.S. EPA's response was that the items addressed in the revised ambient air policy went as far as they could without rulemaking and based on previous experience without risking significant legal challenges. The takeaway for your next project is that the revised ambient air policy replaces, quote, a fence or other physical barrier with, quote, measures which may include physical barriers that are effective in deterring or precluding access to the land by the general public, end quote. The revised ambient air policy identifies measures as video surveillance and monitoring, clear signage, routine security patrols, drones, and potential future technologies. While some facilities may already rely on these measures, the policy provides a backstop if your next project were to get challenged, provides consistency across state and U.S. EPA regions, and may provide consistency between prevention of significant deterioration permitting and state rule air quality modeling. Updates on model emission rate for precursors, or MERPs. During the AWMA conference, US EPA gave a preview to updates to be incorporated into a final version of the Guidance on Development of Modeled Emission Rate for Precursors as a Tier 1 demonstration tool for ozone and PM 2.5 under the PSD permitting program and also indicated that the final version would be published by the end of April 2019. Lo and behold, US EPA kept their word and released the final version of the guidance on April 30th, 2019. As a quick refresher, MERPs are essentially emissions thresholds that can be utilized as a part of a PSD permit to demonstrate that the proposed increase in fine particulate precursor emissions, that is sulfur dioxide and nitrogen oxides, and ozone precursor emissions, that is volatile organic compounds and nitrogen oxides, from your project will be below ozone and PM 2.5 significant impact levels, and therefore won't have the potential to cause or contribute to a violation of the NACs. The MERPs are based on photochemical modeling conducted across the U.S. and are regionally representative. A MERP analysis is considered a Tier 1 demonstration, and if your project-related precursor emissions are greater than the MERPs, a Tier 2 demonstration would be required involving the use of a photochemical grid model. However, before you get too worried about conducting photochemical modeling. All fours of Dan Dix was also interested to hear that since the draft 2016 MERP guidance has been released, 
there have been no submitted permit applications utilizing a Tier 2 demonstration and that all applications triggering the requirement to evaluate precursor impact have successfully relied upon a Tier 1 demonstration. Changes from the 2016 draft guidance to the April 30, 2019 final version include additional hypothetical single-source modeled sources, additional details on how to use existing modeling for NACS demonstrations, and additional details on considering secondary PM2.5 for PM2.5 PSD increment demonstrations. The changes related to the additional hypothetical single sources are good news for those projects that may require further refinement from use of the most conservative illustrative MERPs which are geographically categorized by eastern, central, and western regions. Specifically, more geographically and stack height specific MERPs can be developed for your facility. It appears that the approach of developing more geographically and stack height specific MERP values is what has enabled everyone to avoid tier 2 demonstrations to date. The Georgia Environmental Protection Division, Air Quality Division, seems to be leading the way with state-specific guidance that outlines how to develop refined MERP values. In addition, the Georgia Environmental Protection Division has even conducted additional photochemical modeling to add their own state-specific facilities. The Kentucky Department of Environmental Protection and the Texas Commission on Environmental Quality have also developed similar MERP guidance on refining MERP values for your site. Clarification on a local source emissions rate used for NACS modeling demonstrations. During the AWMA Town Hall, US EPA representatives sought to provide clarity on a misinterpretation many have been making with respect to the 2017 guideline amendments. The potential misinterpretation centers around amendments made to 40 CFR Part 51, Appendix W, Section 8.2.2, Table 8-2, that summarizes the model emissions input for NACS compliance demonstration as a part of PSD permits. Specifically, the 2017 amendments updated language to allow the use of average actual emissions from nearby sources when adjusting for the operating level. This adjustment has been misinterpreted by many in the regulated community to be synonymous with modeling actual reported emissions from the most recent two years when modeling local sources as a part of NACS compliance demonstration. However, the slight nuance is that the two most recent years of actual emissions can be used to develop an operating level, that is, million British thermal units per hour or pound throughput per hour, that can be multiplied 
by the maximum allowable emissions limit or federally enforceable permit limit, that is, pound per million BTU or pound per throughput, to determine the required emissions rate. In some cases, this actual operating level emissions rate may be the same as the actual reported emissions, but not in all cases. Adding to the confusion is that some state modeling requirements do allow for the use of actual emissions when modeling local sources as a part of state modeling requirements, but not for PSD modeling. While it appears that some state agencies have been misinterpreting this slight nuance for PSD permitting, all fours Dan Dix suggests taking a closer look at it during your next project as it may leave your project vulnerable to increased scrutiny during the public review process. This particular clarification for NAC's air quality modeling guidance was developed to provide for a more refined approach for addressing local sources and, while it does, may not be as refined as some would have liked. Updates on the 12th Conference on Air Quality Models During the AWMA conference, U.S. EPA representatives gave a preview of the focus of their 12th Conference on Air Quality Models. U.S. EPA indicated that the recent conferences were structured to establish that even-numbered conferences, that is the 8th, 10th, and 12th conferences, as planning and development conferences, and the odd-numbered conferences as official rulemaking conferences, also acting as the official public hearing for guideline rulemaking. Therefore, the 12th conference will follow this format, and the priority will be on planning and development for potential rulemaking at the 13th conference. The planning and development conferences allow for more public involvement as they do not include official public hearings. In advance of the October 2019 conference, expect stakeholder groups and all four Dan Dix to be asking what air quality modeling issues are important for your facility and need to be addressed. US EPA also outlined several AirMod Alpha options that they hope to release before the conference so the regulated community has a chance to evaluate and provide feedback during the conference. An alpha option within AirMod is an option that is experimental and not for regulatory use. Once proper evaluation and peer review, as specifically defined in Section 3.2 of the guideline, have been completed, US EPA can graduate the option to a beta option. A beta option can then be used for regulatory applications with an alternative model approval as specifically defined in section 3.2 of the guideline. Rulemaking is then necessary to graduate from an AirMod beta option to an AirMod default option. The alpha options that stakeholders and US EPA are working on addressing include issues related to building downwash, low wind concentrations, nitrogen dioxide enhancement, mobile sources, overwater modeling, and saturated plumes slash plume rise. 
if you are currently dealing with a project that involves air quality modeling or have an issue with any of these topics, please reach out to all fours Dan Dix at D-D-I-X at A-L-L, the number four, I-N-C dot com to learn more about how these options might help. There may be the opportunity to work together to move the science forward so that we can help some of these alpha options graduate to beta and default options for use in your next project. That was The Ever-Evolving Science of Air Quality Modeling, written by Dan Dix, published on June 3rd, 2019, and narrated by Michael McHale. Additional articles, like the one that you just heard, can be found on our website, www.all4inc.com. You can also interact with us on Twitter, at All4Inc. Be sure to tell us what you think about our podcast using the hashtag AirQualityInsider. And feel free to ask us questions about all things air quality for us to answer in a future episode. 